It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.07 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves of Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful in your landscape with whatever you want to do in your landscape. If you have a question about your plants, your lawns, your garden, your trees, your vegetables, give me a call, 404-872-0750. Great questions coming up. Pecan trees, the bumps on the leaves. Should we keep using Roundup with the new uh, news about the lawsuit down in California? Water oak dropping leaves all over the driveway. But I want to ask questions myself this morning, and I have an expert who can answer those questions. This is Jason Clark from Snakes R Us, or the Southeastern Reptile Rescue, joins us this morning. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Walter. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing just fine. Good to talk to you. How, how are the snakes in Griffin, Georgia today? <laughs> they're, they're, they're still here. They're doing great, and they're keeping me busy. So, Jason, I had a an email this past week from a lady who was very upset with me and she said walter i was out weeding around my hostas and i got bitten by a small copperhead snake and i went on your website and saw that on your website you say that there are not that many venomous snakes in georgia and that not only that the chances of getting hit or getting bit by a snake was less than the chance of getting hit by lightning but i want you to take that back i got bit by a copperhead and i know they're all around georgia what do you say to that i said and so I thought I would call you, Jason, to say, how many snakes do we have in Georgia? What about copperheads? Are they commonly found around hosta plants? And what do you know about snakes in general? Well, you know, uh, we do have venomous snakes in Georgia, but we, uh, we do have a lot of non-venomous snakes in Georgia. So, so you're right. Um, we only have six venomous snakes native to Georgia. Okay. And not all six of those species live in the same area. So you're more likely, if you encounter a snake, for it to most likely to be non-venomous than venomous. But that doesn't mean that you may not easily encounter a copperhead, because those are pretty common in the metro Atlanta area especially. How many how many venomous snakes are in the metro Atlanta area? We don't have coral snakes up here, I don't think. No, you don't have coral snakes. You have to go a little further south to start seeing coral snakes. Uh, but in the metro Atlanta area, and, and this may shock some people, uh, well, first of all, the copperheads is going to be the most common. Copperheads can live in the middle of nowhere, away from mm. people, or in the middle of really busy neighborhoods near people. Huh. That's why there's so many bites from them. But there, you can also find timber rattlesnakes. Uh, we've had timber rattlesnakes come out of Cobb County. Wow. Uh, we've also have we also have cottonmouths. You know the water moccasin. Yeah, yeah. Most people think you have to go to South Georgia. Uh, this past week, I was doing a project um, with Clayton County, and we were removing cottonmouths from a, um, a drainage ditch in Clayton County where a new water pipe was going in. Yeah. And so we went up and removed about eight or nine, ten cottonmouths out of Jonesboro. Who reported those cottonmouths that said, well, you need to come and get these snakes away right now? Who found them, Jason? I, hey, well, you know, that's kind of interesting how that happened is, uh, we we go and teach safety classes for different companies and organizations, and I had to go teach a safety course for Clayton County Water Authority, and so they knew 
our feelings towards snakes right. that we love them. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Everybody does. And they, they basically said, hey, this contractor is not a real snake fan, and he's terrified to pull up this culvert because every time we go, there's cottonmouths laying here. <laughs> And we don't want them to, keep, to be right, killed. You know, right. would you come in and re- at least remove them temporarily? Where we can do this work and not kill all these snakes. So I thought that was really, really cool that yeah. someone wanted us to save venomous snakes. And where did you? What did you do with the snakes when you retrieved them? When you rescued? We've them? got all the snakes here now. I think we ended up with a total of eight of them, and at least one or two are definitely pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so then what will eventually happen to all those snakes, Jason? Well, these right here, where, where these snakes had made their home, was a broken culvert with all this rock, and, and their home has now been completely destroyed, the, right. the, the, their, at least their hiding area where they were living. So these snakes will probably remain in captivity to be used for education. Some of them may end up going out to nature centers and different, you know, uh, displays to show people what cottonmouths from central Georgia look like. Again, this is Jason Clark from Southeastern Reptile Rescue or snakesareus.com. And Jason, one of the things that I found on your Facebook page that is A, fascinating and B, terrifying was the little trip that y'all took out into the woods and found a rattlesnake, a female rattlesnake, and retrieved, it looked like 15 or 20 baby rattlesnakes out of the rocks. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that happened? (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that. Um, That was uh, was a year ago this month, actually, when that happened. A year ago this month, and we had gotten called to go um, uh, pick up a rattlesnake that a guy had. turned out to be an albino timber rattlesnake. Only three of those have ever ever been found in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got two. Uh, Zoo Atlanta's got one. And um, so we went to pick up this albino timber, and we got there, and we left. And then we got a call to go pick up 10 rattlesnakes in Warm Springs, Georgia. So we went and did that. While we're in Warm Springs, we got a call from the guy whose house we just left, and he found another rattlesnake. Oh, my God. So we go back to his house, and there's a rattlesnake under this rock. We move the rock, and then babies just kind of go everywhere. Yeah. Um, so in late, in late August is when that was. So in Georgia, a lot of people think about wildlife giving birth in springtime. But when we're talking about snakes, they typically give birth in late summer and early fall. So here we are in August, toward the end of this month, the 1st of September, is when we're going to be seeing a lot of these snakes give birth. And your pit vipers, your copperheads, your cottonmouths, your rattlesnakes all give live birth. So I don't remember how many snakes that timber rattlesnake had, but it was somewhere close to 20. And they were building a house. This was a construction site nearby, and they wanted the snakes gone. So that's, of course, what we did. So we took those snakes, and timbers don't do very well being relocated. So we moved those, you know, into captivity where they will be used for education. So one of the questions I commonly get is, what habitat attracts snakes? In this particular case, again, it's copperheads. Somebody asked, is ivy attract copperheads? So what do you think about English ivy around a property? Is that where snakes are going to be commonly found? If you have English ivy, uh, copperheads just automatically by nature come with that, okay? Uh, Copperheads love ivy, juniper, monkey grass, any type of low-growing, dense shrub that hides the ground. Copperheads are, are a cryptic species, meaning that they like to be hidden. It's, it's a shy snake. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they'll be laying out in the open, but only on type of cover that conceals them, you know, oak leaves and things like that. 
So what we tell people is, you know, snakes kind of travel a highway system. If there's a clump of plants over here that's really dense and low growing, they'll go from that clump of plants across a small open area to another clump of plants. So when you move those two hiding places further and further apart, you're increasing the distance they have to travel and also be exposed. And they don't like that. So the more of this that you spread apart from each other, the the more exposed to copperhead and uncomfortable he's going to be. And soon enough, he'll just circumvent your yard altogether. Hmm. So as far as snakes in general, we only have about two minutes left, Jason. As far as snakes in general, what do you do to try to minimize the number of snakes, venomous or non-venomous, that you might find in a landscape? Well, you're asking the wrong question because most people say, I just want to get rid of snakes, okay? If that's your question, then you're going to lose. You have to say, well, this is nature. I'm going to have to have some kind of snake on my property, whether I like it or not, okay? So which one do you want? You want the venomous ones or you want the non-venomous ones? So don't go out and just kill a snake because you don't like snakes because every time you have a snake in your yard, he's there because you have suitable habitat. Simply killing a snake or even removing one, the habitat, the food source, the hiding places are still there once it's gone. Another snake is just going to show up to take its place. So changing the habitat, uh, feeding the birds in the wintertime when they need it the most. And snakes are not out active looking for food mm-hmm. because the bird seed falls in the ground, attracts mice, rats, chipmunks, squirrels, all these things that snakes oh, eat. And when those mice run across your yard in the woods at 3 o'clock in the morning and they come back, you're leaving a scent trail, which leads directly to your yard. So removing hiding places and food sources is going to be much more beneficial than killing and just removing snakes. Right. So mowing down the ivy or keeping the ivy low, keeping, the, as you said, the clumps uh, low in places that the snake would be exposed, mowing your lawn frequently enough even, so the snake Even changing the, the substrate in your flower bed. Uh, you know, pine straw doesn't necessarily attract snakes, but it's easy for copperheads to hide underneath it. Mm-hmm. So when you get ready to re- replace that, you might want to think about bark or mulch. Bark or mulch doesn't repel snakes but it's harder for copperheads to burrow underneath it. So that's not a big change in itself, but when you do that with a bunch of other stuff, over time it can start to make a difference. Jason, I thought we'd spend five minutes talking about snakes, and here it is, 15 already. (laughs) But we got to go. But, man, this is great new fun information to know. Jason Clark, who is the Chief Snake Handler Wrangler for Southeastern Reptile Rescue, is their Facebook page or snakesareus.com is their website. Jason, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much, Walter. If we can help you, let us know. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Again, snakesareus.com. Right now, it's 818. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. High of 88 today, low of 72. Partly cloudy, isolated storms this afternoon. Tomorrow, high of 90, low of 73. Clouds, occasional storms tomorrow as well. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ellen in Rex joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ellen, good morning. Uh, good morning. <laughs> Get that phone back there, Ellen. Hi, what you got? Uh, I have uh, 
bumps on my concrete. Ah, yeah. On the leaves, you mean? On the leaves. Yeah, lots and of them. They, and it's very uh, in, uh, all over. Yeah, I, I'm sure that some of the leaves are probably falling out of the tree as well. Yeah. Um, the, the bug, for another good multisyllabic word, is called a phylloxera. Pecan phylloxera. It's an insect, actually. It's what causes the bumps. The phylloxera goes up and lays eggs on the leaves and on the stem on the mid-vein of the leaf and causes those little bumps and causes the leaf to curl up. You know how it makes a little sort of twirly curl as all the leaves do that, and they turn black and they all fall off, which can't be good for the pecan tree, can it, Ellen? So two things to do. One is to get as good a sprayer as you can get. A hose-in sprayer usually is the best you can use. But depending on your water pressure there in Rex, you may want to find a, a good backpack sprayer or just a pump-up sprayer that you can pump up real high and spray insecticide up in the tree. Garden insecticides work fine against the phylloxera. You have to start doing it sometime in May or June. That's when the first laying of eggs happens. But if you want to spray as far as you can get up in the pecan tree, number one, to control phylloxera. Number two is to rake away all the leaves underneath the tree so the phylloxera does not overwinter underneath the pecan tree because those, that's where they come from next year, and you don't want them to infect the lower leaves on your pecan tree next year either. So insecticide as high as you can get, rake the leaves as high as, as low as you can get, or as many as you can get, and that will give you as much control as a homeowner could get with phylloxera in a pecan tree. All right. Thank all right. you very much. Phylloxera, P-H-Y-L-L-O-X-E-R-A, for everyone who's asking to keep a score this morning. we got uh, Quinn and Carlton. Quinn, let's go real quickly and get you in before the bottom of the hour. Good morning. Hey, Quinn. Quinn? I think Quinn's some... Quinn, are you there? No, Quinn has somehow lost the ability to speak, so we won't talk to him right now. It is 828 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden and Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery After News. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 837 at News Talk WSB, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. We'll be joined by Mickey Gasway in just a minute. But Quinn called back a few minutes ago, and now he's on the air. Hey, Quinn, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up, Quinn? Nothing. I just have a question about my water oaks, the lining, my driveway. Yep. And the leaves are turning yellow. And they're dropping like it's October. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I've seen the same thing, Quinn. And the first tree that always seems to be the number one tree to turn yellow and fall, and the leaves all come out of it in the summertime, is called yellow poplar. And I'm not sure why they're so sensitive to hot, dry, or just anything. It just seems like every year, Quinn, I see yellow poplar dropping leaves like fall, sometimes starting in July. And then I saw the water oaks and other oaks have started turning yellow a little bit myself. I don't really know why the oaks are doing it, Quinn. It's really observant of you to see it. But I'm not sure why they do it. And you can always say, well, it's a reaction to the environment, a reaction to, you know, the heat or something like that. But gosh, we've had plenty of rain, haven't we? 
Yes, sir. So I am just not sure. I do not know why that's happening that way. There's a lot of things that I do know why things happen the way they do. You know why trees lose their leaves in the fall naturally because the, you know you don't want to have leaves that would accumulate ice and things like that. So I know all about why and how trees lose their leaves when they're normally supposed to in October and November. Why we're doing it in July and August, Quinn? It'll have to be a mystery between the two of us. I don't yes, but Quinn, I'm glad you called back. Glad to talk to you. It's great to hear from you again, and I hope to hear from you again soon. All right. All right. All right. See you, Quinn. All right. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you in to take Quinn's place. Mickey Gazaway from Pike Nurseries here this morning. Hey, Mickey. Good morning. How Good. are you? I'm doing great, Mickey. How are you? I'm wonderful. I have several comments I want to make. Did you listen to the guy that I interviewed about snakes earlier this hour? No, I wish I had. Oh, my gosh, Remini. Knowing how much you love snakes, you would have been fascinated by Jason Clark. He was oh great. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I wish I had. My oh. son is our expert. He does classes on snakes oh. sometimes, so he's really into snakes, You may know Jason, too. too. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll talk about snakes a little bit okay. later, but first let's do what we're supposed to do, which is okay. announce the Pike Pick of the Weekend, and then we'll talk a little bit about snakes. So tell okay. us what is on sale this weekend at Pike Nursery. Okay, it's the Jolly Gardener Color Enhanced Mulch. How many colors do you have? There's black and red and brown. Is it sort of deep, dark, um, Yeah, it's a pretty brown. brown. Yeah, that's, pretty brown. That's my favorite one. Mine that's too. the one I use most of the time. I know some people like the red and the black, and you know, University of Georgia. Blah, I think it blah, blah, depends blah, on your your landscape, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. But the brown looks good in mine. It makes everything else look good. It, it sure makes does. The plant material look. I agree, good. and it also keeps its color, and just just looks fresh and nice and natural. And you know, that's what you like about a mulch. It's looking nice and natural in your landscape. That's right. And mulches are good. They hold moisture in the soil. They keep weeds from coming up. And so that's why we put mulches down, particularly here in the south. That's right. Go ahead. No, I wasn't going to say. I was going to say, hey, one more thing. On one more thing I want to mention is I do not, do not, do not, do not recommend ever putting down landscape fabric or plastic, even worse, underneath mulch. You're much better off to put just mulch down underneath your plants not the landscape fabric first and not the plastic either I one. Agree. I agree. Because the weeds come straight into that mulch. They germinate in the mulch itself and they go into the landscape fabric. And what a mess that is to try to pull out and control the weeds in the landscape fabric covered soil. We don't do that. No, sir. No, you, the only thing I've ever done as far as that goes is I put newspaper under it before. Yeah, if, I, yeah. if I had a, a weed problem and I sprayed it, I wanted to make sure because that, that'll just decompose underneath it. And that works good, too. Did you mention how much the Color Enhanced Mulch is this weekend? It, oh, no, we didn't, did we? <laughs> it's on every Pike sign, though, so you'll see it when you go into Pike. It's 4 for $10. Oh, that's a great price. Yeah, it is. Oh, $3.99. Yeah, really. That's a good deal. That's a great deal. Well, here's what I want to mention as far as our Pike Pick of the Weekend, the Color Enhanced Mulch, and snakes. What Jason told me, this is Jason Clark from uh, Southeastern Reptile Rescue or snakesareus.com. And Jason mentioned that pine straw, he said pine straw is a good mulch, but it does, a, because it's sort of puffed up and has spaces underneath it, it's much easier for a snake to burrow underneath it to sort of hide from you. 
And then when you accidentally go in and rake the mulch, rake the pine straw away, then the snake comes out and says, hey, how are you doing? And you think, ah, snakes in the yard, you know. Yeah, you don't do that. that. I, I don't do that. Cute. Some people do. And so he said the better mulches are the chip mulches and the bark mulches, and that's what color-enhanced mulch is. And so perhaps if we want to advise people who don't want snakes in their landscape, use the bark mulch rather than pine straw mulch in your case. Great idea. And also, a couple other things I wanted to mention about it was uh, don't pull it up on the bark of your plant. Don't, don't do the close. volcano mulching right. thing. That's a good that point. That we see on the freeways everywhere. You oh, need to keep it back from the trunk of your plant. You just want to think, who in the heck did that? What crazy person put all that mulch around the trunk of the tree? It hurts the tree. It makes all sorts of rot. And right. I always tell everybody, it's like putting... It's like putting a Band-Aid on your hand. When you look under that Band-Aid, how soft it is. Yep. Same thing with uh, the mulch under yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. So the uh, we can't go much further, Mickey, without telling the story about your experience with the little baby copperhead in your nursery and what happened there. So tell us the story about your baby copperhead. Oh, oh well, it... I tried to save its life because they were going to kill it. Right. And I said, no, don't kill it. And um, I'll get it, put the put the broom down on it, its head, and I'll get it. And so I reached, because I've handled snakes my whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I reached down to pick it up, and the broom was back further than I did. And he turned around and he nailed me. Oh. And so now it's, I'm a little more careful now, but Stan <laughs> always tells the story of coming home and me having a rattlesnake in my lap sitting on the front porch. So... Did <laughs> you really? Did, is that true or is that a husband's it's story? It's true. My son brought it for me to see it, and so we knew he was coming home, so we kind of staged it, but that was that was one's story. Um, dare I ask, live or dead? What was Alive. The, oh, it was alive. And how were we protecting ourselves from having a little I was just close? holding it behind his head. I mean, I know how to hold one. I just missed it that one time. <sighs> Has a way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everybody has their. Everybody has their thing, and Gazaway yeah, that's is right. snakes and I, plants. I do want to mention, yeah. um, since we're getting away from snakes, getting off topic here, um, that we do have um, classes coming up for beginner gardeners. Oh, that's right. It's coming up week in a after weeks. next, yeah. and I wanted to be sure and mention those. And it's not just for beginners or new gardeners. A lot of times we have people new to the area and they you know they're from somewhere else and they say what is this red clay we've got well, how am i going to oh, plant yeah. in that and so it's just it's a different when do we plant and uh how do we plant and what can we plant and um so that that's what it's about so helpful hopefully it won't just be for new gardeners but for and it's going to be at the four peachtree city swanee um, West Cobb and Lindbergh. Right, so but that starts what, your... a couple of weeks from now, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, 21st. Week after yeah, next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll be teaching those. That's great yes. to hear. Let's oh, reiterate yeah. what our pipe pick of the weekend is. It is the color enhanced mulch, the brown, the red, the black, snake proof mulch, we call it. No, we don't call it that. <laughs> you call it that, okay. <laughs> it is four bags for $10, which is a bargain in anybody's, anybody's store. All Pike Nursery locations have that. And Mickey Gathaway, where would we find all Pike Nursery locations to be able to find the one nearest to me? At pikenursery.com. That's exactly right. Mickey, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. we got Jake in Somerville who joins us this morning. Hi, Jake. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, I'm getting a little bit nervous. Uh, when uh, we had those bad storms yeah. last week on Wednesday, yeah. I had a big old oak tree go down. Uh-huh. 
And looking at the security cameras, I can see why it went down. But when it went down, I would say about eight foot up into the, the, the core of the tree, yeah. it was completely eaten out. And there was black ants, big old black ants, ah, all over. Ah, ah, ah. You are correlating rather than causating. <laughs> that makes any, any sense to you, Jake? Yeah. yeah. The ants are not there, and they did not eat out the middle of your tree. The ants didn't do that because carpenter ants, that's I'm sure what you have, carpenter yep. ants don't have a mouth part that's big enough, shaped the right way to eat any living tissue, and so they didn't eat the middle of the tree out. What they do instead is they love to eat where a tree is already hollow. Your oak tree got hollow from very likely from a limb higher up, broke out many, many years ago. Water came down the trunk, came in the hollow place where the limb was, and came inside the trunk there and rotted out the trunk. And it could be completely hollow. You never know it because man, the outside of the bark looks fine, looks healthy, looks great. You might not have noticed the carpenter ants in there. They could be up in the high parts of the tree where you would not notice them. And then when the tree fell down, though, that's when you see all the ants around. So... Jake, don't worry about the carpenter ants. If they're a bother to you, you can spray insecticide on them. But I promise you, the ants didn't do anything to hurt that tree, did not cause the tree to hollow out, and didn't make it fall down either one. Thanks for calling, Jake. It is 848. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high of 88 degrees, low of 72 overnight. Partly cloudy, isolated storms could be throughout the day. Tomorrow, high of 90 and low of 73. Clouds, occasional storms tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Barbara is up in Roswell and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Um I just I have a quick question. I need to find out my my knockout roses have grown very 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 tall yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah, and they're still blooming. So I don't know whether to cut them back or wait till fall or what. Oh, what's the protocol? A lot of opportunities. Knockout roses are really really responsive, productive. You know, they they do well after you prune them. So let's talk about how many flowers you have on it now. Is it just covered in flowers, or just one spray here and one spray over there? Uh, right now, it's not as much flowering as it was before, but there's mm -hmm. still a good many, but they're way tall up at the top. You could do one of two things, and it's your choice of which you want to do. One would be to cut it down completely down to the whole thing, down to three feet tall, two and a half feet tall. That's fine to do right now. It won't hurt the plant, won't make the rose weak or anything like that. Another option would be just to cut down the limbs that have the tallest sprays, the tallest flowers, and maybe a bunch of dead, you know, faded flowers on it as well. They would be come out immediately. But I don't think pruning either way is going to hurt the knockout now particularly at all. And if you do a complete down to two and a half to three feet, you might get a big flush of flowers around the last week of September, maybe the first week of October, just that last okay. hurrah of knockouts if you do a big whack back right now. Well, if I don't do anything and just wait until, uh, you know, three or four weeks from now or mm -hmm. more than that, maybe, would that be okay, too? Sure, that'd be fine, too. Again, knockouts yeah. are completely responsive to pruning. They never seem to be hurt by pruning. You can do whatever you want to, Barbara, and the knockout will forgive you. 
Okay, and how far down? About how high should I leave them for fall and winter? About oh gosh, three I leave feet mine or... two and a half to three. Yeah, right in there okay. is where I leave mine. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Talk right, to Barbara, you again. Great bye talking bye. to you. Thanks for calling this morning. Had a great Saturday morning. If you didn't get your question answered today, of course, you go to my website at walterreeves.com. While you're there, lots of opportunities to enhance your gardening skills. One of them is to follow me on Facebook and on Twitter about twice, maybe three times a week. I'll put something interesting there, something you might be doing or something someone else has asked me a question about. I think a lot of people need to know the answer to that question, so I'll put posts about weeds, posts about simple situations that folks have gotten into. That's on Facebook and on Twitter. I'll duplicate the posts on both of them. The other thing you can do is follow me on Pinterest. I know a lot of you have a Pinterest account where you put your dreams and your pictures of furniture that you want to have and things like that. Mine is simply weeds. I took pictures of all the landscape and garden weeds I could find and posted them with a link to my website and the page that says how to control this nut sedge, this pine, uh, this uh, poison ivy and pine straw, uh, this Virginia creeper if it's a problem for you. And so I have all those weeds and lots of summer weeds, goose grass right now. What about Dallas grass right now, crab grass right now? What do you do with it if you want to be sure you know what weed you have? Go to my Pinterest account, Walter Reeves there, and you can find out what weed you have and what you need to do about it. The newsletter, of course, I mentioned earlier in the morning, the newsletter is just lots and lots of fun for me to publish every other Thursday. I do it here at WSB. And what happens when you click on the subscribe to newsletter button, it takes you to WSB. All we want to know is your zip code, so you know sort of where we're sending it, and your email. We don't spam you. We don't give you anything other than the garden newsletter. Comes out every Thursday, every other Thursday, I should say. It's a lot of fun to put out, and I hope you have a lot of fun reading as well. Details about my Southeast Asia trip on my website as well to Vietnam and Cambodia next spring. It's been a great morning because Crystal Wheeler did a great job screening calls in Ashley Frasca's place. Paul Andreessen did a great job bringing our music this morning, engineering the show, making sure that we're happy and on the air, most importantly. Thank you, Paul, for doing that. I'm Walter Reeves, the host of the Lawn and Garden Show. Dave Baker is here. He'll be in charge of the Home Fix-It Show, which comes up in just a couple of minutes. I will be here next Saturday morning. You guess it's 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. for another edition of Lawn and Garden. My friends, don't touch that dial. I will see you then.